I'm Catherine Budig. And I'm Kate Fagan. And this is Free Cookies, a podcast all about wellness, food, pop culture, and Greek mythology. Which you adore. I do adore. And today I'm going to Hercules. blend my love with your love, Greek mythology with lists. I have compiled a list of Greek monsters that I'm going to quiz Kate on, see how she fares, see if she will sink or be eaten by a sea monster. You know that oftentimes we know what's going to happen in a specific segment. That's how we've always rolled. And today, I have not seen this list. I don't know what's happening. All I know is you've made a list and I want to support your list making habits. And I'm hoping under my tutelage of all the mythology that I talk about, you will fare. So we're going to start with that, and then next, we actually don't have a guest today. It's true. The guest is, well, us. Yeah. So this thing happened last weekend, and you and I started talking about it. We actually haven't stopped talking about yeah. it. Yeah. For the rest of the night, and we just kind of looked at each other, and we were like, maybe that's the thing that we talk about on Free Cookies this week. And it's something that we wanted to allow ourselves the space to do on this season of Free Cookies, is not always have to bring someone in, but the things that you and I are talking about to actually be able to dive into some of those. True, but fear not, because we will still have a ridiculous lineup of guests this season as well. Leonardo DiCaprio is coming. Episodes. Gerard Butler, if things don't work out. Brad Pitt. Hi, Jerry. Why are you going big? Kira Knightley's coming. I'm just picking people that I think are cute. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. Okay. All right. And then finally, another very cute, cute human. We are having on one of our dearest friends, Ash Sabolka, who lives here in Charleston, South Carolina. She has done a lot of work on this concept of core values, and we wanted to bring her on because it's something that over the last six months, you and I have actually really tried to analyze what we value in our life, and if the choices we're making are supporting those values or if we're a little bit out of whack. So we wanted her to come on. And so for some of you who are listening who might be in similar places to us, this could be an interesting wake-up call. She is the ultimate dropper of inspiration. Can we also point out, though, that at the beginning of this podcast, you made it seem like you hated lists and lists were too controlling and lists tried to categorize too many things. And now you recognize and you seem to bring lists to almost everything that we do now. Right. It's called building a healthy relationship with your partner. And compromise. Exactly. But anyway, enough about that. This morning is what I want to start with. We, uh, Kate and I have very different ideas of how we like to work out. Because Kate comes from a basketball background, and obviously I come from a yoga background, and I like... I want to actually really work out. She really likes more of the, what do you want to say, more of the aerobic? I like cardio burn. She likes cardio burn, and the only way I like cardio burn, if it's coming in the form of difficult yoga or jujitsu or something where it's more of a puzzle piece, and I'm trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So, what did we do this morning that's definitely not... Spinning! A puzzle piece. In fact, you are on a stationary bike where you run from yourself in place and you get nowhere. You run from yourself in place? From your own mind? Well, from- my little pedaling legs are trying to keep up with all of the type A people around me. Regardless, it's not my jam. And this is like not knocking the teachers out there. I think spin teachers are amazing and talented. I just cannot get down with it. In fact, at this all. morning in spin class... I leaned over and I tapped you on the shoulder. This is like 25 minutes into spin class because I just wanted to make a little heart at you. 25 minutes. And I wanted to tell you I loved you. 25 days. And I tapped you and you just, you shook your head. You didn't even look at me. You just shook your head. I was in the zone. It was the and then only I tapped way you again. I was going to get through. And then you shook your head again. And then I was like, no. I gave you, actually, I gave you a thumbs up. 
Yeah, but it, but it was like but it was like an ironic thumbs up. Like it was actually a thumbs down. So maybe I had a little bit of resentment towards you and the spin world and the remaining for forcing you to go. 35 minutes that were left on okay. that bike. But here's the thing that came up for me and you know how they do all the the mood lighting and mm-hmm. stuff and so they're changing the lights throughout the class and do you remember the point in the class where all the lights went out except for these red lights and it was just the columns in the room illuminated from the ground I with loved this it. like mm-hmm. fiery pit hell feeling like a lost little Persephone in Hades. See, what I thought was it's time to pedal faster and really get to that place we got to go. See, yeah, no, I was going into my, I have been abducted by Hades and I am trapped here for the remaining seven months of the year, which brings me to our surprise segment of today's episode. We should actually point out to the listeners, this truly is a surprise segment. This is legit. I printed this out and Kate has not seen this yet. All she knows is that I wanted to hit her with some mythology questions. And I, because I've been diving into mythology again, because you love mythology. Again. (laughs) And I, well, because we all dive into it when we're kids. We're forced to learn certain myths when we're growing up. It's part of history, even though it's not really history, it's fake history. Sure, debatable. But it's history in that one time people believed these myths, even though the myths themselves aren't real. Oh wait, quickly, I don't know, I just wanna share that we recently watched Troy, Brad Pitt, Troy, the movie that came out 10 plus years ago. And my favorite customer review (laughs) on Troy. The first one that shows up in Apple iTunes was like, this is such an epic movie. And the best part is, is that it's based on a true story. (laughs) And I was like, this is true because people don't know what's real and what's not real. It's true. I think there's a lot of questionable, is that a mythological place person? Monsters, on the other hand, I think we can hopefully agree that are indeed mythological. So I have compiled a list of my five favorite monsters from Greek mythology. So okay. I want to quiz you on them. Okay. I want to see if you know who they are, what their stories are, how they got killed, et cetera, et cetera. Are you going to give me the name and I'll give you the story? Are you going to give me the story and I'll give you the name? I'm going to give you the name. Okay. Because I feel like otherwise this could take a really long time. Okay. So we're going to start out really simple. Maybe not for all of our listeners, but I think for you. Okay. And I'm going to start with the chimera. Is that how you say it? The chimera. Chimera. The chimera. That sounds like a car. I know this because we, the the the, the Camaro. I, I feel like you're stalling. No, the Camaro. I know this because we talked about it recently and you teach it in one of your classes and the Camaro is a monster that has a unicorn on its back, <laughs> a, a lizard tail, oh my God. and a lion head. I actually really like your interpretation that, it, it, that it's like a cousin oh, of it's the Camaro. It's a goat on its That's back. That's the Camaro. Yeah, exactly. It's a goat on the back. Okay. It has the tail of a serpent and a, a fire-breathing lion. So I got it right. You, you have the cousin. That's the Camaro to the Camara. It's a Mustang. So, but I, when I was looking this up, do you know how the Camara died? Yes, I do. Oh, really? Tell me. Oh, I thought you said, do I want to know? Oh, you do. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is kind of cool. The because- Camaro was shot. No. By an arrow. But that's by Apollo. No. Okay. So this is what's interesting because all these monsters are obviously this, really difficult to kill. Mm-hmm. And so since this one, the, the hero, I'm probably going to butcher the name, Bellifron, I believe. Anyway, regardless, he was with Pegasus, you know, the big winged 
beast I know, Pegasus. horse. Yep. Okay. So basically what he did is he created this spear and obviously the spear was metal at the end. And when the lion opened its mouth to breathe the fire, he took the spear and he threw it into the mouth. So the spear went into the mouth and because it was just about to exhale all this fire, it melted the metal and killed it from the inside. And Hercules did that? Hercules no. threw the spear? No, Bell- Bellophron. Bella- okay. Bellerophon. All right. So that's the Camaro. It's And the word chimerical. Yes. That's where it comes from. And also it was quoted as, this is pretty good, believed to have been an omen for storms, well, shipwrecks, you really and came other... Prepared. Wow, interrupt the Sorry. lines. Believed to have been an omen for storms, shipwrecks, and other natural disasters. As if it's not bad enough to have a monster with a goat growing out of its back coming after you. And now it also portends bad things for ships. True. But... This is just number one? Yeah, that's just number one. And we have four more of them? Yeah, get, get prepared. Okay, so the Chimera is also rumored to be the mother, father, I think it was a female, the mother of the Sphinx and the Nemean Lion. Kate, my next question, who is the Nemean Lion? The Nemean Lion is the lion that Hercules kills. Yes, why do and you know that? I know that because we watched The Rock and Hercules <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> That is very true. Okay. Fun facts about the Nemean lion. So the whole thing is it had this like impervious golden fur and you, uh, the, the nails, the claws could cut through anything. It was sharper than any. Not Hercules. Well, uh, no, I mean, okay. So Hercules couldn't get through. What Hercules did, the rock did, was he grabbed the Nemean lion's jaws as it was coming at him. Mm-hmm. And he took the upper jaw and the lower jaw and he held that jaw apart and then he pushed upward and downward. Virtually, Hercules and did he hit it over the, the head. lion's head around. Okay, we're going to move away from that one. Okay. So, next one. Yep. Looks like a sea serpent of sorts, has a lot of heads. It's Hydra. Called, yes. And Silas is one of the Hydra. Okay, tell me about the Hydra. The Hydra are big lizard head monsters, fire-breathing dragon monsters, and there's... <laughs> What happens Eight when you of cut them, off a no, head? No, no, okay. There's six of them to start, and when you cut off the head, two more grow back. Exactly, and who killed the Hydra? Uh, Harry Potter. <laughs> Close. It's our friend, The Percy Rock. Percy Jackson. Percy Jackson. Percy Jackson does kill the Hydra. That's very modern of you. I'm Thank proud. You. I'm proud. Hey, myths are ever, ever growing, ever being introduced. So Hercules, again, that was trial number two for him, and you were asking when we were watching the movie when he cut off a head. You were, I was so proud of you. You were like, well, he can't do that because it's going to grow back. True. That, and that, that did not happen in The Rock. No, they the didn't rock. show it in the movie. But you know what he actually does in like real life, according to the reviewer of Troy? Uh, what he does is he takes a torch after he cuts off the head and he scalds where he just decapitated them. So it cauterizes the so head. So it can't grow so out. So he cuts it and he cauterizes. He cuts. He cauterizes. He's like a, He's like a little very surgeon. early. Exactly. I would suggest that I am passing this test with flying colors. I know. And which leads me to the next okay. Hydra-esque monster. Okay. Who's Hydra-esque? Medusa. No. Hydra-esque. Scylla. 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 But I said that was that was a Hydra. They're not the same thing. They're two different monsters. Scylla is a kind of Hydra. She's very Hydra-esque. Yes. Oh. Not Medusa. And where does she come from? What stories? The Odyssey. Yes. By Ulysses. By James Joyce. <laughs> I appreciate this that. This is where... Which is one of the hardest no. books in the world to read, by the way. So the, the, let me tell you about Scylla, who, who, who's a version of a Hydra. Uh-huh. Ulysses is trying to get home. Odysseus. 
Ulysses was writing about Odysseus trying <laughs> to get home, and you could either go into the whirlpool, mm-hmm. or if you avoided the whirlpool, you had to go by Scyllus. Scylla. Scylla. And that's where between a rock and a hard place comes yes. from. Yes. Or so you told me. I'm so proud of you. I don't understand where the hard place comes from because, or the rock. Because neither is a either rock. Way. Neither is a rock. Or it's a saying that I will butcher at some other forward. Why isn't it between a whirlpool and a It's sea between monster? death and death, basically. I see. Rock and a hard place. Exactly. Is that right. it? Is it a pass? This, that's four. Here's final, final. Okay. And I'm really hoping you're going to remember this because we actually talked about it yesterday. The Minotaur. The Minotaur. The Minotaur is in the labyrinth. Yes. The Minotaur is in what the is labyrinth. What is the Minotaur? The Minotaur has the head of a lion. No, no. It has, it has the head of a dragon-like creature. No, it's a bull. It's yes! a bull. Yes. <laughs> I'm over here making horns with my hands. Yes, and, 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 and Zeus sent the bull. Poseidon. To- Poseidon there we go. sent the bull to the labyrinth and then and then it <laughs> to King Minos, who owned who was the king of Crete. Oh, keep the, going, keep going. Who then put it into the labyrinth to and then when he wanted to kill someone, he would put them in the labyrinth and they would run into the bull, the Minotaur. <laughs> I, I mean that choppy, not exactly, but really, really, really close. What would you grade me? I would grade you. How do you say B in Greek? I'm going to give you an omega. That's what you get. I think I was in an alpha. An alpha. (laughs) Before we jump into this story, we wanted to give a little explanation about why we're diving into this topic. And part of it is because June is Pride Month. And we figured, let's go hella gay. (laughs) Since it's Pride Month. (laughs) Right, Catherine? Hella gay. Hella gay. No, so we do want to, over the course of the month, sprinkle in little components of our story and pieces of each of our stories when they merge and when they don't that have to do with this topic, because I think it's fascinating regardless of the month, but I think especially because of the month, this is why we wanted to bring up something like this. Absolutely. Should I, should I start the story? Yeah, let's get into it. About a week ago, Kate and I, we were home in Charleston, South Carolina, and we were eating at one of our favorite restaurants in Daco at the bar because Kate only likes to sit at the bar. I know that we have other important things to talk about, but I firmly believe that sitting at the bar is almost always better than getting an actual table at a restaurant. I agree with you. It's more intimate. You can sit closer to the person that you're with. Bartenders are normally really interesting. Most of the time when you're sitting in the actual restaurant, if if it's two people, obviously if it's more than two people, the bar is not best. It's three people only if you get a corner. Exactly. And I like corners, even if it's just the two of us, too, because it's just a more intimate place. We can place. monopolize more space. Yes, exactly. But anyway, so bar seating, it's, to me, it is not a last resort. It is a first option. So another thing that you now know about Kate. So we were having a really lovely meal there, and then what we often like to do is we roll to another one of our favorite restaurants, which is called Leon's, and they have this amazing old-school soft-serve style but we, Ice cream. But we didn't want to go straight to Leon's because we wanted to go get Ashi. Exactly. Because maybe every two to three months, we treat Ashi to an ice cream cone because she is the queen of calories. And because we spoil her and rotten. And because we spoil her rotten. So we had had dinner at Indaco, and then we 
drove back to pick up Ashi to take her so the three of us could go get an ice cream cone. Yes. And as you can imagine, we are in very high spirits because we are going to get our dog an ice cream cone and that's fun. And we we get back. We'd had a really great night. Yes, it was a fantastic night. And we got back. We just left the car out front so I would go scoop her. And a bunch of the neighborhood kids were out and about. Which is scary. Which is scary because kids are scary. And we came back. It's almost like you never lose that feeling as a young kid when you'd see a group of kids. Unless you were like the most popular kid in the neighborhood. I think when you're a kid and you see other kids. Oh, you think kids are scary to kids too? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, at least when I was a kid and I saw like a group of kids hanging out in the neighborhood, my heart would sink. Because kids just are mean. So anyway, so I, that, that was the feeling I had when we saw the neighborhood kids that were, they were all kind of out on the street. I also wonder if kids are mean versus are kids just filterless? I don't know, but I'm just saying that I've never lost when I see a group of kids, even though I'm 36 now, I feel like I'm 12 again. And there's like that panicky kind of feeling like, oh my God, what are they going to say? Are they going to pick on me? So I kind of always have that feeling. Okay, fair enough. So, so I, I collect the puggle. And I'm bringing her out to put her in the car. And there were two little girls, maybe age nine and seven. Yep. Something ballpark like that. One of them was a little older. I think one of them was like 10 or 11. Yeah. And so I'm about to put Ashi in the car and they start asking me questions. And it's our neighborhood. So I'm engaging with the neighborhood kids. And the older girl asks me... Well, I was kind of loath to even walk over. I saw that you were kneeling with Ashi, and they were talking about the puggle and saying normal dog-type things. And I was loath to come over because I'm always really... I always am worried about what an interaction is going to be like. Actually, it's With not, any kids anywhere? With any kids anywhere, okay. yes. So uh, the, finally, though, I did come over because I'm like, you know what? I can't behave this way. I can't feel this way, and I can't just be a slave to my fear as even as like a low of a hum as it was. Mm -hmm. So then I walk over and I'm standing, you're kneeling next to Ashi and I'm standing there and they're the the two kids there. And the older one goes to me while I'm holding Ashi, is she a girl? And I I knew immediately what she was talking about. And I gave her the benefit of the doubt because I thought that was an absolutely absurd question. So I responded with, Oh, Ashi. To which she said no and pointed at Kate. Yes. And what did you say? I said, Ashi's a girl. And then I looked at Kate and I said, Kate's a girl. She just has short hair. Right. Which haunted me for the rest of the night because I, it's very multifaceted because one, I felt like I didn't stand up for you in the way that I wanted to. I felt like I didn't educate this young girl in a way that will serve her for the rest of her life or right now. Um, And so I was kind of stricken with guilt towards not being a good adult, towards not being a good fiance. It it, it was just, it was dripping in all these emotions for the rest of the night. I just kind of walked away, actually. Yes. You didn't respond at all. You just... Well, when she asked the question the first time, is she, I don't I forget what she even said because she said is she a girl I don't know because that'd be weird it was something using along, a female pronoun to ask if I'm a girl which is odd I don't remember the exact verbiage but it was something well, along those I lines. knew what she was talking about and so then when you followed up with a reinforcement of getting her to say it again I was already like oh 
So should I have and ignored it? No, there's nothing you can do. And then your your response to it, which was, yes, she's a girl, she just has short hair, to me was a validation of the question even being asked. But again, what were you going to do? Because she was young. She was not that young, mind you. No, but I, I didn't want to slap was not a, a young girl that I didn't even know. You know, I, I, <laughs> I, Of course I, w- I didn't want a physical action. But I, and again, this is where I'm trying not to. I meant more verbal slap. I would never encourage the slapping (laughs) of other humans. Sometimes I feel so upset in those moments, but I think I can't tell how much of my own projection of this happening in many other facets of my life I project onto the girl in that moment because I'm reading into it as like, you know, I'm a girl. Absolutely. Like, you know I'm a girl, so now this question is simply to point out that I'm not performing my femininity in the way that you're used to, in the way that we're in Charleston, South Carolina, mind you. We're not, like, in Brooklyn anymore. That most people see right. femininity being performed. So to me, it was way more loaded than, like, oh, a curious little kid, just to be fair, in my own, as I get, like, angry about thinking about it. It wasn't just... Is she a girl and I'm six years old and I truly don't know and I'm just asking this question. It was way more loaded than that. It felt loaded. It it was also one of those things, and I don't know about you, but you know when you're in situations where you look back and you constantly replay it in your head in the sense of how could I have handled this better? What could I have said? And then it kind of ultimately turns into this weird revenge fantasy of sorts where I start to think of the stinging comments that I could have come back at her with where I, I immediately wanted to respond, well, are you a girl? which of course is not serving anyone, but I wanted to make a statement about how incredibly rude that is. And I don't know if a young person, well, I'm sure actually a young person could, it depends on what their experience is, could understand how stripping it is to take away someone's God-given right to be who they identify as. Well, I think as we're talking, I'm realizing that like, obviously it's not about the girl, right? No. <laughs> so I don't want to make it seem that Next like, week, we're going to bring her onto the podcast, <laughs> kicking and screaming. <laughs> I don't want to make it seem like we actually still, it's, it's there's no like, animosity towards this actual individual. Yeah, and I don't actually want to make it seem like we think we could have taught her any sort. No, but this is where lesson. I was for the rest of the night. Right. Was this punishment that I was giving myself and, of not reacting quicker and in a way that served everyone there. Right. And I've tried various forms of reaction to when this happens, and none of them feel great. And you've seen me go through it. I've seen I it ignore. happen to you regularly. It happens at restaurants all the time when the maitre d' isn't properly looking. They probably look down and see your dope-ass sneakers, and then Thanks they see tr- for trying to compliment short me in the hair, of it. and they immediately equate, wow, dope-ass sneakers and short hair, masculine pronoun. Yeah, and it obviously, and, and you know, uh, those who listen to season one will remember that there was a news story in the sports world about a young girl who was playing with her soccer, club soccer team, yeah. and the opposing coaches at this tournament w- wanted her actual birth certificate to prove that she yeah. was a girl because she had short hair, and they thought that she was a boy masquerading as a girl to play in this soccer tournament. And so we talked a lot about misgendering. That episode, I think, was Naked Cookies, I yeah. believe. You can check it out. It's still up. So we talked about misgendering last year, but I think we actually didn't get as far into 
our relationship and how I've been panicked about being misgendered almost like since the beginning of when we started seeing each other. And how you've dealt with it. I've seen you evolve too, because so it happens at restaurants. It's also very common at the airport in the security line. And it happens all the time with flight attendants. It happens on planes almost every time I fly. uh, Often when you get greeted, right when you walk on the plane, same thing. People don't register. They don't take the time to look at your face. And then when they're just asking if you want peanuts, pretzels, or cookies. That happens all the time, too. But you, your reaction has changed because you used to kind of swallow it, and now you immediately come back with, seriously? Yeah, it's not that really the most like mature moment that I have, but... Yeah, but it's authentic. And I do think that people... Not that they should be shamed, but I do think that there needs to be a space of take that extra millisecond to register and look at someone. And if you are confused by the gender of the person, which absolutely happens... Don't use a pronoun. Do you remember when we first started seeing each other and when I would do shows on TV and you were all excited to watch them yes. in the same way you'd be excited to like go to someone's game or like any sort of performance that they have. And I remember I was doing one of the shows on ESPN and you then made it clear that you were going to look at my Twitter at mentions mm-hmm. either while the show was going on. And I'm sure it was in... I was in stalking you mode. Yeah, and and maybe you were just so excited and you wanted to see, you thought I was so good at what I did and I made that witty comment about the NBA playoffs and you wanted to to see the the response that everyone would have on Twitter. And I remember you mentioned that you were going to search my name on Twitter and I started full-blown panicking because Mm -hmm. the one thing I know is if I look at my own mentions on Twitter... More often than not, some of them at some point during the course of a TV show I might be doing will be someone being like, is that a boy or a girl? It happens every single time I'm on TV. And if you take away my at mention and you just searched my name, I I wouldn't even, I've tried not to do it over the last couple of years because again, then people are going to say even worse things. And I remember being like, you're not going to want to be with me because you're going to start, they're going to plant the seed. This is just the panic that I have around this whole topic. Mm-hmm. They're going to plant the seed. You'll, you'll search Twitter. They're going to plant the seed of like, is she a boy or a girl? And like, or like the Justin Bieber comment, which everybody thinks is like super clever. And that it's the first time anyone's been <laughs> called Justin Bieber, any woman with short hair or any other number of that framework that I look like a boy. Right. And I would think that you would see it and then be like, wait, maybe she does look like a boy. And then you wouldn't want to be with me anymore. That was actually how I played all of that out in my head. And I remember being like, we were just, we had just started seeing each other and I wanted to have the conversation with you in person. And we did have that conversation pretty early on. I, I remember the first time that you were ever misgendered. We were at a restaurant in Brooklyn and it was the maitre d' and you sat me down. You're like, if there was, there was not a single thing worse than being misgendered. And that is the one thing that can happen to me that totally knocks me off of my cool. And, and it I was, try to be very, very cool. And you, you still are very, very cool. That is someone who externally identifies, is labeled as generically what society deems feminine. You know, I've, I've had longish hair for most of my life, although I did cut my hair like Ryan after French kiss and what was it? You've got mail. Anyway, we'll say Well, note. you modeled a haircut from you've got mail? Don't you think you Meg Ryan? Yeah, but why wouldn't you have done Sleepless in Seattle? Why you've got well, maybe, mail? Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Wasn't she in that movie? She was in both, but you've got mail was the okay, sequel. Okay, I started with French Kiss. That's where she looked 
hella, hella right. fly. I, just, I don't Which think, turns out it's really difficult to look like Meg Ryan. I don't think anyone saw You've Got Mail and were like, oh man, like I'm going to mimic that movie. So, except you. I digress. So the point is, I have had shortish hair, but I've never once been misidentified. Yeah. And so I have absolutely no way to truly relate to what you're going through. My sister, who actually had a... Uh, a bout of cancer recently who is doing much, much better now, but has grown her hair out, but she's decided to keep her hair short and it looks funky and beautiful and she's gorgeous. And she said ever since she's had a shorter haircut that she regularly from behind is called Sir. Yeah, and no. I, I, when you talk about that or when your sister talks about that, I'm, I, there's this weird thing that happens with me where I'm like, well... She doesn't have a full history of experiencing that. And she's also not gay. And so, do you so think to me, part it's of it double. is, oh yeah, I mean, growing up playing basketball, it was like, one, you were just, you, you weren't going to tell anyone that you were gay because they'd be like, oh my God, you're such a stereotype fulfilled. Right. And then on top of that, when we saw basketball players with short hair, which was few and far between because everybody was just long hair, pretending like they loved guys. If that was someone that was embracing who they were, it was like they were ostracized. They just had no space in our social world of basketball because we're pretending we're straight and we're pretending that we're going to perform femininity in the way that society says. So like my, when somebody misidentifies me and calls me a boy, it's more than just, Oh man, I had a cap on or, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to belittle someone else's experience, even though I can see that that's how it feels like I'm doing, but wrapped up in all of it is that like, I've made this choice. I've, decided I'm going to live my life gay and like perform my gender the way I feel like it makes me most who I am. And all of that is wrapped up and it's not just, Oh, I had a backwards cap on today. It's like, I'm not as full of a member of like this because I have all in my head, like, well, if you don't want to be misgendered, then you should grow your hair out. And if you don't want people to think you're gay, you should grow your hair out. Because everyone knows long, long ponytail means I love dick. Exactly. We should maybe end there. I mean, who, who can end on a better <laughs> sentence than that? And we're out. No, wait. Actually. Oh, you got more? Oh, do you really want to end We on could that? end there. And that, do you want to add fe- on? That and feels a little aggressive. Okay. Um, it, we don't need to edit this. This is what happens at Free Cookies. So actually, I have a question for you because I've I never asked you this based on what you just told me. When you, I, I know you cut your hair short when you were a little girl. But when you, I know that through most of your collegiate years and semi-pro, and even when you were on the beat for the Sixers, you still had longish hair. Mm-hmm. Never long, long hair, but longer on the shorter realm. Right. Was there any correlation with you cutting your hair as short as it is now to you fully embracing oh, yeah. being gay? yeah, direct correlation. Can you tell me more about that? I think that's really interesting. Well, the correlation is simply that when I was growing up and then through to college, I wasn't going to tell anyone that I was gay. And part of that was performing who I was as a lie to some degree Mm -hmm. to get people to believe that I was straight. And then it was, well, all right, I'm not straight, but the least I can do is perform, you know, traditional femininity because I don't want to be the full stereotype. So your first step is like, okay, I'm gay, but I'm going to be like the sporty or like the sexy femme gay person. And you're like, so you do that for a while. And then you get to a point where like, but that's not my authentic self. And I don't feel right wearing this. I feel like I'm performing way too much. And then you get older and you're like, but I don't want to pretend that I'm someone else. And so it's like this gradual process. I mean, I mean, and maybe some of that is internalized 
homophobia because I still would look at, you know, like a, you know, and I know I'm just, I'm using quotes, like, like a butch lesbian and be like, well, I'm never going to be that. And I'm like, is that hmm. my own hatred of myself coming through? I don't, I mean, it all just gets very confusing in my own mind, but then I'm also like, but, but maybe I, maybe this is the presentation of myself. I want to be, maybe I truly don't want to be a different version. Uh, you know, like the stereotypical that you see in that, like are used almost used as scare tactics when you're younger, especially in the women's sports world. This is future us talking to past us. How's that go? Was that like a UFO that you were doing? No, it's the Twilight Zone. That's right. That's what it was. Damn, I got schooled. I thought it was X-Files music. (laughs) Is that X-Files music? Yeah, you've never watched it. But we digress. We are coming back to you from a future date on what we were just talking about because after we podcast talking about this topic, something so pertinent to... Our discussion happened at dinner. We had to return to this. Yeah, so we just wanted to add a couple more minutes here. So we left podcasting, and we met some friends for sushi. And if you're listening to this, friends, sorry, but... This is no hard feelings. No hard feelings at all. the hardest part about podcasting is talking about things that happen happen in your life that we know so we went to sushi and we were with a few friends Uh, two of them brand new friends yeah um and we started playing that game at dinner that friends sometimes play where like you have to pick a celebrity for each person that's at the table or in your group a game by the way not who you look like let's get to specifics the game was who would play you in the, the movie, movie version, version of your life. Of your life. So very specific. Not just who do you look like, who would play you. Yeah, who would play you in a movie of your life. Usually a game that should uplift everyone's spirits because you're set up to be compared to a celebrity. Now, unless you Hopefully are, one you like. Right, but regardless, like, generally speaking, it's going to be a good-looking, talented person unless you get compared to, like, Paul Giamatti and then... Sorry, Paul. But he's super talented. And then you're like, talented. all right, he was amazing in Sideways, so that's going to be fine for me. But anyway, this is a game where everybody should be flattered. And we went around, and, but the second we start playing this game, I get really anxious because every time this game is played, somebody says something stupid. But every, we go around and everybody's like, oh yeah, you look like... Well, naturally, Ruby Jennifer Rose. Jennifer Connelly, you Ruby look Rose like... Ruby Rose would play you. That's so okay. obvious. I don't but, know how this game is even so played. So nobody picked who I was being compared to until... Do you want to take it from there? Oh, God. Yes, until uh, one of our new friends looked at Kate and... The preface, the preface was, I don't know if you're going to like this, which immediately put everyone on edge, at least Kate and I, for sure. And Catherine's hand was on my knee, and she squeezed my knee. I was very nervous, and I and think I, you actually said... I said, don't, don't, don't do it. Don't continue talking. And the next sentence was, who's that guy who played the Hulk? And I said, and then I continued saying, please stop. Like, but, but like kind of in a funny way, like right. it's not going to go well for you. Please. It's, this isn't going well for you. And he continued to, and the, and the problem was he wasn't even comparing me to Eric Bana. No. He was comparing me Which, to Mark Ruffalo. It, Eric Bana's pretty smoking hot. I mean, Mark Ruffalo ain't bad either, but Eric either Bana, way, if you had to choose. If 
you think about it. If I had said that I thought Uma Thurman should play him in the movie of his life, yeah. that would that would make no sense whatsoever. No. And so I just I continued saying like this isn't going well, this isn't going well, but he just kept pushing through and continuing to offer not Eric Bana Hulk, Mark Ruffalo Hulk as the guy who should play me. And I was very sad. Well, and it just I'm, makes I'm me wonder what I'm goes not, through but. people's heads because it's, I mean, maybe there's a lack of A, humans who look like you, which you are one of the more unique, beautiful humans alive. So that's not a surprise to me. And maybe there aren't a lot of actresses who, I don't know if he's like the simplicity of like, what actresses have short hair? I mean, it could have said Natalie Portman in V is for Vendetta. I know you were really hoping for well, that. Well, thank you. And the second reason we wanted to jump back on the mics for this story was we realized we didn't really offer any sort of like conclusion or takeaway to the main story that we that we told about what happened in our neighborhood. And the bottom line was the more we were thinking about it, like there is no like but I do think no after talking takeaway. after talking to a group of our friends about this the other day, I do think a tiny takeaway is you can say more than you think. I didn't say anything to him because I had never met him before and these were new friends and I really or liked to, them. Or to our neighborhood kid, and I, obviously. Or our neighborhood kid and I look forward to hanging out with these people more because I actually really liked them. I think that was a, sadly an innocent mistake that I would love for him to learn from. But I, I do in retrospect feel that I could have said or we could have said something like, you know, that actually really hurts her feelings if you're comparing her to a guy because you know who's never going to play her in her life story? A fucking man. A man Ooh. is never going to play her. I would not and, use those words to him and over the, other the dinner takeaway, table. And the other takeaway is that you love me no matter what. I do I love you no matter what. Say it. I love you no matter what and you do not look like a boy, Kate Fagan. I love you. I love you. So we are now sitting with one of our favorite humans. Right here at this table. And one of my best friends for 10 years. Wow. Ash Sabolka. And Ash is kind of a tricky one to describe because I guess if we were not going to really get into the nitty gritty, we would call you a life coach. But Ash and I actually spend an exorbitant amount of time struggling with that title because the title doesn't truly encompass the uniqueness of what you bring to the table. And one of the reasons we wanted to have Ashley on for this segment is to talk about all the awesome work that she's done around this concept of core values that has been really helpful in our lives over the last six months. As personally, I was trying to figure out, do I do more TV with ESPN or do I get back to writing? Because I love writing and I missed writing. And one of the reasons I actually stopped doing a couple TV shows on ESPN and focused more on writing was because of these conversations that we had with Ashley. So we thought this is going to be beneficial for our listeners for sure. I just had a good image of what Ashley does, actually. So imagine there's a river, and the river is where things flow, right? You, you want to be flowing in the river, and then it's really easy to get stuck in the muck on the bank and just kind of watch the in river. Are you in a tire? Are you in a tube? Well, that's where she comes in. Ooh. And she comes in with like a big inflatable flamingo donut. And she Ooh. puts the big flamingo donut over you and she goes, go chow, go. She says, go chow, chow. Go, go chow, go. Ashley has yet to say anything. <laughs> I think she... Uh, yeah, we're going to back off and see if she relates to the, the floaty. Well, statement. that's really funny you say that because when I was three years old, my parents said they took me to a museum in New York City. And they said they didn't know what happened, but all of a sudden, 
uh, who's the singer my dad said took over my body? And he's like <laughs> Tina Turner. No, he um, <laughs> Bill, Billy Holiday. Oh, he goes one. all of a sudden. You walked up to the museum curator and you go, "Come here, child. My mama makes a yummy dinner. Why don't you come home to our house? We just want to feed you." You said all of this. Yeah. See, I told you I know my and best my friend. And my dad was like, "Who is that?" <laughs> <laughs> So that was really funny that you used that. So, so not MC Hammer. Not MC okay. Hammer. That came later in life. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how to... I don't but know you're how okay to with the flamingo. I love illusion. a floaty flamingo. So will I can you, get down with it. Will you share with people what this concept of core values is and how it applies to how you want them to think about their lives? And how that fits in the big picture of what you offer people. Yeah. Sure. So... There's a lot of talk about core values when it comes to business. Um, and, and I like to, with all, of, all the things that I teach my clients, I really like to make it as simple as humanly possible. And so I think the business approach makes it more complicated. So I want to start with that. So what your core values are, are the things that matter to you most in life, that when you're not, when you're not engaged in them, when they're not a priority in your life, you don't feel like yourself. And you feel super out of alignment. And ways that people do that, especially in the career realm, is they start going after success based on the terms of what they think they should be doing. And there's air quotes around that, right? So it's like, you're good at something, so you should do it. You should excel more. Or, um, you know, you inherit other people's values, which happens a lot, especially with, I see it with my clients, where it's like, well, my parents valued this, so like, I just thought it's what you value. But at the end of the day, we can swear on here, right? Mm-hmm. You don't give a shit about it. And no wonder Gee you feel it. out of alignment. Gee right. Is there an echo <laughs> in here? Right. Um, <laughs> so the values, again, so it's what matters to you most. And when you're in alignment with what those values are, when you're really clear with what they are, then you make choices in alignment with that, right? So you, when you know what your core values are, your behavior and choices align with those values. And when you're doing that consistently, you feel like the freaking best version of yourself. And how do you know when you're stuck? How do you know? Okay, let me rephrase. How do you know when you're stuck versus, you know, you're still putting your floaty on? Like is maybe question, you're heading towards the bank. Because you, because are you, towards the water. Is the question that sometimes things in life aren't going well, even if you're aligned. And how do you know right. the difference between when you're aligned and you're just... Because, well, it, I mean... Anyway, jump in. Well, okay. So that's kind of a tricky question. So I think rarely when you're aligned do you feel stuck. Okay. Okay. So what I mean by that is like... Um, you know, sometimes, especially if you've been out of alignment with them for a while or you weren't even clear on what they were, it, it's not going to happen overnight that all of a sudden you're just going to make like five million choices that are going to align your whole life, mm-hmm. you know, especially, you know, with what you were talking about. That involves a career and contracts and all kinds of stuff. So first you have to be really realistic about what it's going to take, what actions it's going to take. And even before actions, you got to go back a few steps and recognize that it's going to really require you to watch your thoughts like a hawk, right? Because this all originates in your thoughts. And then your thoughts are, beliefs are patterns of thoughts that you keep thinking until you decide they're true. So- Ooh, say that again. Beliefs are patterns of thought you keep thinking until you decide they're true. So here's the good news. You can make a belief about anything, which is freaking great, right? But again, people are in- 
it, I call it inheriting beliefs from their family or teachers or really society. So you have to take a step back and get honest with yourself about what you believe is possible for yourself, what you value. So for me, my core values are first and foremost, family. Secondly, meaningful uh, connection. So I don't want to just talk about the fucking weather. I want to have like a real meaningful conversation with people. Like traffic. Do you want to talk about traffic instead? Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. But she does send <laughs> me a lot of links to clothing items that I must have. That's very true. Okay, That's- but, uh, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> we, we just like to make jokes wherever we can, even about serious things. But I hear you. I meaningful love it. connection. <laughs> Uh, that's actually, so that's my third, lighthearted. So oh. I want to be lighthearted like as much as humanly possible. Otherwise, what the hell is the point? So meaningful connection, lightheartedness, family, and making a positive impact. So I know that when I'm super connected with those values, I'm pretty much rocking out my life. You know, like I might have some hiccups here and there, but I'm pretty aligned and I feel really great and I'm focusing on what I need to focus on. When I'm not in alignment with those I feel all kinds of shaky. I'm like, my bitchy inner critic's going off like nobody's business, and I'm making poor choices, like having way too much wine, or whatever it may be, you know? So it's like, you just have to recognize that dance of when you're in alignment with the choices and when you're not. I guess this is where it gets a little sticky for me when I look into the self-help world, Yeah, is this concept of and correct me if I'm wrong here, that you, if you are in alignment, you always feel great. Yeah. Because I believe there are many phases of my life where I'm doing the work, I'm holding on to my core values, and I'm not always happy or 100, which doesn't mean it's the, the flip. It doesn't mean I'm in a dark, depressed place either. Right. But, you know, I, I feel a lot of people will be like, and, and once you manifest what you want, it's all just going to come pouring down on you mm, like no. golden burritos. And I just don't know if I... Are you following me there? Yeah, of course. And I mean, I'm so with you on that. So like when I say I feel great, I mean like overall I feel great. So today's a great example. Like I just launched um, something that I've been working on for a really long time, a project. and uh, What? Called. Called called Passionately Free. Hey, hey. Uh, Today was the free training part of it. But like, so I've been so stoked about this. And then I also dropped my daughter off at preschool and I had no idea that I was going to like ball my eyes out for an hour after that happened, you know? So I was like, okay, this is just it. Like, this is life. Like I'm on the roller coaster and I could make it way more dramatic or I could just recognize that I'm going to feel all the feels and move through it. All right. Will you tell the people where they can find you? Yeah. AshSabalka.com. Is that where they can find your course as well? So the course is called Passionately Free, and you can find that on passionatelyfree.com and ashsabolka.com. And what about on the Instagram? Ashsabolka. Will you spell it for the people? <laughs> You're cracking me up. A-S-H-C-E-B-U-L-K-A. Boom. Wait, wait, wait. Before we wrap this up, Ashley, yeah. favorite cookie, oatmeal raisin? No. What's your favorite and cookie? You can't just ask her what her favorite cookie is because this woman owned a cookie shop. It was called Yes You May. So do you so think she's more not, of a cookie authority than I am? I think yes. She's a cookie but I, goddess. I started the standard goddess, cookie list, goddess. which is universally recognized as the the list that you consult Kate's when you're going to write about anything cookie related. How to share, Ash. Mm. What's your favorite cookie? 
Well, uh, I, I mean, I am a little partial because I had the cookie store, but my sugar cookies. That's true. Your sugar cookies. Yeah. A choice that is acceptable because it's on the standard cookie list. <laughs> but it has frosting on it. It's not yeah, just it a sugar cookie. frosting. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I... I, and he, you will like knowing that oatmeal raisins my third favorite. What's your second favorite? Uh, crystallized ginger. Crystallized ginger. It's well, a unique do, do list. You, do you accept my authority in the cookie sphere? Oh my god! Bow right. down! Bow down! Bow down, bitches! Bow down! I mean, bow you're doing down. that thing with your tongue and the teeth, which means I don't. I don't accept your authority. I know that sign. I love that you know me well enough to know. I what know I what I that do sign is. All right, we, we accept you as a show made by us. Us. That's right. We make this show now. This is our house. This show is produced by the badass, awesome Lindsay Collins, who also happens to host. The food podcast FNB Radio. And you know that's actually a play on FNB, F, the letter NB. It took me a while to figure that out. I, food and Bev, food and anyway. I figured that there was already a podcast that just used F, like the letter instead of E, F, F. Oh, I thought anyway. it was like FNB, mate. Anyway, so you can hit us up at freecookiespodcast at gmail.com or on our brand new stink, stinking. Ba- brand it does new not stink. <laughs> It's an awful Instagram page. It's stanky. <laughs> and it's at Free Cookies Podcast on Instagram. Finally, if you have a minute, please subscribe, rate, and review. It's very exciting to have our own show, but unfortunately, it also means we lost all of our ratings and reviews for season a, one. such a tragedy. At a Greek epic level. Ooh, more mythology. Like, I learned recently about Hermes. He has wings on his feet. This Kate is really expanding in her Greek mythology, and that brings a happy tear of gold to my eye. All right, well, you speak Greek, so I do. Sign off in Greek. Teleme. Oh, wow, you knew it. For real. <laughs>